This episode is produced by Mouth Media Network and presented by Solar. I think that no one leaves childhood unscarred. I feel fairly strongly about that. And I think that it's all about how do you grow up and how do you envision yourself and like, what do you want out of your life? And just because things happened a certain way doesn't mean that it's the way that you have to parent or the way that you want to be. I think that our parents teach us like, here's the good and the bad of what we want out of our lives. And the good thing is that we can make those changes. Can you play at a high level in business while balancing a family life? If you're Kendra Bracken Ferguson, Chief Digital Officer for Braintrust CAA Global Brand Management Group, the answer is hell yes. Coming up, this successful female entrepreneur with a background in PR and brand building with influencers opens up about achieving successes and overcoming obstacles. And she reveals her next big venture. I'm George Manley, and you can find Kendra on Instagram at Kendra Bracken Ferguson and her story on this episode of Solar Stories, The Art of Influence. Kendra. Yes. Welcome to Solar Stories. Thank you. Happy to be here. And thank you so much for for giving us your time on such short notice and um, with everything that is going on in your developing life. I know how much (laughs) you're running around in your current role, and I know how many ambitious ideas you have, which hopefully we'll talk about some of them. Um, So let's dive in. All right. So why don't we start with your background? Why don't you we talked about a little earlier, but why don't you just, um, you know, tell our listeners kind of, um, you know, where you came from and how you got to where you are today. Perfect. So you'll have to stop me if I go too far. I'll try and like give the highlights. Okay. Um, but I'm actually one of those people who, when I was in sixth grade, I knew I wanted to be a publicist. And the president was giving a speech and someone walked up to him and handed him a piece of paper. And I was like, who is that person? And my mom said, that's the press secretary. And that literally from that moment on, I was like, I want to do PR. I went to school for PR. When I was a senior, I searched for the top five PR agencies. And I said, I want to do an internship there. And I landed at Fleischman Hill. So I am playing true you go to and school? true. Purdue. Okay. Awesome. Boilermaker from awesome. Texas. So I started um, literally in the field of PR. I actually won a scholarship to get my master's in sports administration. So I did do a stint at the Indiana Pacers um, <laughs> with Reggie Miller and Ron Artest. Wow throwing chairs. And I was like, nope, not for me, not for me at all. So I got a call from Fleischman and they said, can you be here in two weeks? I packed up, moved to New York by myself, lived in a professional nuns women's housing with the career of, or what did we have? A, we had a curfew of 11 PM. What? Um, and that's how I started. And once I got to Fleischman, um, we had this opportunity, singular, pre-AT&T, and they wanted to increase their share in the youth space. So I'm literally in a conference room, the youngest person there. I raise my hand and I'm like, we should work with MySpace. And everyone's like, what's MySpace? What's MySpace? And this is early, like 2002, 2003. What is MySpace? <laughs> no, what happened to MySpace? Where did they go? And we flew out to LA. We sat in a cool room with like five dudes and we came up with this idea to create a mobile music studio and when we got back to the office everyone was like you know social i don't even know what we were calling it we weren't as fancy as like social media and digital marketing um it was like digital pr and i spent a lot of time going to hong kong and beijing and all over europe and canada doing these boot camps and talking about what is social how are we communicating and I'm biased, but I do think that PR practitioners are the best storytellers because that's what we're trained to do. And I think that we're kind of the leaders in what happened in in terms of the evolution of social media. Mm -hmm. I can say that. Um, So I did that. And (laughs) And I ended up. up, Yeah, and back it up. (laughs) I was like, I have experience. And from there, I ended up leading the the digital team, the social team at Fleischmann. We created these global centers of excellence. I was the youngest vice president, um, which was (laughs) challenging and fascinating to say the least. And I always had a desire to do fashion and to do beauty. And when Fleischmann hired a PR agency that did that, I said, I want to do that. I want to do that. And they happened to be working with Ralph Lauren. And that was Paul Wilmot. And that was Paul Wilmot. And Paul and I, to this day, like we were just talking and about how far we've come. He's so cool. I I got to meet him once. 
He's, I doubt I mean, he'd remember it, but he's a very cool guy. <laughs> he's really cool. Um, and so literally I ended up getting introduced to the team at Ralph Lauren and they were looking for a director of digital media. So I went over and it's funny because when I left Fleischman, people said, you're going to be bored. You're an agency girl. You're going brand side. And when I got to the brand, it was just like being an agency. I spent most of my days working across every Ralph Lauren brand and pitching to the brand managers like what social was, what influencer was. I'd sit for like three hours with David Lauren just looking at blogs. Then I'd talk to Roger Fair, the CFO, about how much money we made off of Facebook which at the time was like $200, $300. I'm like, billion-dollar company, but I'm still supporting. Look at me. I'm making hundreds. Yes. (laughs) I'm making Benjamins. Exactly. I was like, and now they probably are. Right. And um, it was great. I learned a lot, like being in-house and having to talk to the head of marketing. I taught myself Google Analytics, having to talk to advertising and how we needed to shift advertising dollars into social as magazines were changing. And then having to look at social through the lens of e-commerce. Can you use an influencer to actually get to your website, stay there long enough to make a purchase, and then sign up for an email? Or can you get an influencer to go to a website and look at your store locator? Because then you know that they're probably going to go into a store. So it was a great experience. And it was there that I met my first business partner. Um, And literally, I mean, it was crazy. One Friday night, I just thought about her all night. I woke up, my husband's like, what is going on? I like, I can't stop thinking about this woman. And I texted her. Does that happen a lot at night in your house? Yeah, it happens a lot. (laughs) He's like, what are you doing over there? Um, And I literally texted her. She called me back immediately. And I said, I have an idea to manage bloggers. She said, me too. We, that day put up a website got our husbands together for brunch on sunday and then had Monday, to get the dual endorsement how to get it we were like <laughs> we want to do this do our husbands want to do it because we were like we're going to be locked in yeah. together and they're going to have to suffer through it <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes days and nights and we literally that morning we filed an llc and i went to david lauren and i said we're going to manage bloggers he was like as long as they're wearing ralph lauren and that's how we started. We that's went actually to all really cool friends. that he was cool with yeah. that. Yeah. And I think it's, he knew it. I mean, this is the same man who came up with Merchantainment and literally was the first brand to embrace like commerce and lifestyle and created the vision for Ralph Lauren. And you felt like you were part of it. So he got it. He was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And he may have thought that if a blogger wore a purple label that they couldn't wear Lauren brand, but. He got it. <laughs> okay, that's pretty specific. <laughs> brand, brand control. Brand control. Yeah. As much as you can have it in social. One of the problems with this space right exactly. now. Exactly. That we still, when you look at it all these years later, brands still want to control. Oh, totally. And influencers just want to be creators. And they're exactly. like, I'm not going to work with you if you over control me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's actually the holy grail. Having that symbiotic relationship with influencers And it goes back, I think, to the beginning. When you pick the right influencer based upon your ethos and what you stand for as a brand, then it makes it much easier whenever you want to give them a little bit of control of your brand and let them do what they do best because you've started from a place of we have the same belief system. We have the same way of doing things. We have the same high elevated sense of style that we want to communicate with our, you know, whether it's the influencer's followers or whether it's the brand's customers. Awesome. So I digress. So, (laughs) and we could keep talking about that. So it was really interesting because when Karen and I first started, it wasn't, we didn't have a business plan. People were like, how much money did you guys have? This is Karen from from Purple Lab. From Purple Lab. Yes. And, and journalist, creative extraordinaire, big personality. She's fabulous. Um, But we didn't have a business plan. We literally were like, we know that we want to do this. And I speak on panels with people that want to start companies. And I'm like, at a certain point, you have to go. And I'll never forget when I was leaving Ralph Lauren, um, I ended up having this meeting with the chief of staff. And I think her job was going to kind of be like, you should stay and here's why. And I started telling her what I wanted to do. And she said, you know what? Your last name isn't Lauren. And she said, you have great relationships. If you leave and it doesn't work, you can always come back. You can always get what? another That's job. That's amazing. Yeah. And she said, This is but quite I a li- plug for working at Ralph Lauren. Yes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and she was great. And she, she said, like, just hearing you talk about it and your passion 
about it. And she said, you clearly have an idea of what you want to do. And she said, and more importantly, there's an opportunity. And I think that sometimes just in talking to other entrepreneurs, one, you're like, am I really an entrepreneur? Which at the time I didn't really know that I was. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it's like, we saw an opportunity and had we said, what's a blogger? We can't do it. Then we wouldn't have been the leaders in terms of what now is the vernacular of influencers that everyone is using. And when we started, you know, DBA, we literally were going to brands like, you should work with these people. They're going to be the next people. They're amazing bakers and chefs and stylists. And we were like, when did you pay a photographer? And it was fascinating because some of them had, even back then in 2009, 2010, they had more followers, more reach on their blogs than companies did. Right. They had better traffic. And so it was us really pounding down the doors. And I have to credit We just launched our influencer data mapping um, tool. It's a proprietary service and platform-based tool. But we had an event on, (laughs) we had an event about it and Kenneth Cole was there. And Kenneth Cole is our very first client at DBA and they're still a client of mine now. And we were throwing their blogger parties. And that's literally how we started, like just getting cool bloggers to come and to talk about it. I remember sitting next to Kenneth Cole, the man, and like doing his first Twitter party. So we were just in the space and we were literally just seeing kind of what was coming without knowing that it was coming. But we knew. So DBA started it. We brought on our third partner, Karen Rabinovitz, or sorry, Raina Panchansky who um, is still running the business today out in L.A. And and you've since stepped away from that business? I've since stepped away. Karen and I have both. And um, it's amazing. Like we invested in Create and Cultivate. We built digital brand products. And for me, I really felt like I've done something amazing here. I really believe in it. But I wanted to get back to this place of working with brands. And I I wanted to help brands kind of experience the same trajectory of innovation, of excitement, and kind of what's figuring out what's next. And, you know, at DBA, Irving Azov came in, invested. We had an office in Hong Kong. We represented about 175 people. But in the first two weeks of launching that company, I was like, you are not a good talent manager. People talk about about yourself, speaking about myself, (laughs) like people say, like, what are you good at and what are you not good at? And DBA as a I think as a senior executive taught me like what I was really good at. Right. And I was not a good manager. I was a great business person. I was a great strategist. I like put my MBA to use in real life. Um, I taught myself HR. I went to classes because I was running a company. I was building a company, um, but I was not a good talent manager. And and, and so as we started growing and building, um, I really said, what am I good at? And it was about building brands, connecting people, bringing them together, seeing the future, being very innovative. And so I left and I sat in my office thinking like, oh my gosh, you're leaving this company. It's doing so well. You've raised money. What what are you going to do? And I said, one of the things that I've learned is that I do really well working with smart people. I do really well working with smart people. I like people, but smart people, I kind of do a little better with. Don't you have to manage and approach interesting, talented people in order to build a talented team? That's really smart. Yes, you do. Yes. Coming up, you'll hear how Kendra quit her job, uh, started a new joint venture, and uh, is probably going to quit that and is going to start an even newer and cooler company than that. (laughs) Follow the show on Instagram at solar underscore stories, and you can find more episodes of Solar Stories and learn more about solar at solar.com. If you have a hard time, and a lot of people do, a lot of executives in particular, because like yourself, most people that are extremely talented sort of rocket through their career and all of a sudden they look behind them and they're like, wow, I don't know how to do some of these things. You know, like (laughs) you don't know how to, you know, you've called yourself out for not knowing how to properly like manage talent, right? But at the same time, in the last segment, you talked about how you want to surround yourself with talented people. So how do you, how do you bridge the gap there? Well, And it took a lot of, I think, 
intentionally thinking about what I was good at, what I wanted to do, and where I saw myself in the future. Because I've known for a really long time that I have a higher propensity um, than other people. More in the sense of like pushing myself, doing more. I mean, on Wednesday, I was in New York, had an event, flew to LA for a dinner at 2.30, did the dinner with like 45 people, took the red eye back came straight from the airport in the morning and like was in meetings all day. And I roll like that and yeah. I like that and I thrive. Um, and I think that the the big piece of that is just having the right people around you. And I am a person when I talk about brains, because my the, the company that I left to start was is called Brain Trust. And I did that because I'm like, wait a second. Okay, I do really well with smart people. I do really well in communities. I think as people, we're meant to brainstorm and talk and have a good time and like bounce ideas off of each other. No one person is going to have all the answers. And then I thought about what's the other thing I've learned in business. And it's, you know, when I moved to LA and, and somewhat in New York. Are you York, still in just, LA, by I'm the way? still in LA. Okay. Somewhat of a different tone. But just people not being kind, like I, there's a, there's a piece of kindness and there's a piece of like, we don't have to yell and scream to get things done. And it was about trust. And I said, what do I want to have in my next company? And it's smart people. It's people that I trust. And that's how I came up with the brain trust. And I think that for me, you know, I do have to check myself and think about, okay, you've started this company, you started another company, you're now starting another company. And you might um, even start another company. And you might even start <laughs> another company. You know, what is that driven from? And I think for me, it's driven from this ability to like keep going and pushing forward. And I do, I want to write a book about being an entrepreneur versus an entrepreneur. Because when I started my career, I was an entrepreneur and I didn't even know it. But I was like, let's do social media. I'm creating a new division. I go to Ralph Lauren. I'm still in a company, but I'm the only one that exists. I'm launching them on social media. And then I go out into the world as an entrepreneur. And as an entrepreneur, you have things like payroll, yeah. you have health insurance, compliance. You have to hire compliance. <laughs> you got to put those stupid things yes. on the, uh, on the oh wall. Oh my gosh. We kept going <laughs> at DBA and I was like, don't get more than 50. Don't get more <laughs> <Yeah>. than 50. <laughs> Um, and it's different and one's not better than the other, right. but I think for myself, what I've learned is that I'm a true entrepreneur. But can't you, can't you like hire an operations person or a COO or something and let them do the management down and still be a great leader? Definitely. And I think, yes. And I think that there's, there's leaders who start companies and leave those companies to start other companies and leaders who start companies and can live within that same company. It's like the, 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 the CEO or the entrepreneur who starts a company is generally not the same one who's there at the end, because I do think that it's a different, I think that it's a different skill set in the sense of longevity and the ability to be like, I'm going to keep creating. That's why you have serial entrepreneurs. And I always have to check myself because I want to make sure that I am, if I'm innovating and seeing something far out, then I'm still maintaining here's where we are and here's how you have to interact and here's how you have to be successful in the world today while still projecting what I think the future is going to be. But yeah, you can hire you can hire it, but then at what point, I think for me, I'll be like, I'm going to hire all these people to do all these things. And then I get so far out of it. Right. And then I need to come back into it because I need to be able to know what's going on and to see what's happening. Right. And to be connected to and it. And to be connected. Because yeah. once you lose the connection in the company that you're working with, then it's hard to get it back. Well, also, and then nobody looks to you for leadership. Either, exactly. Because they're like, that person's disconnected from what we're actually doing every day. Exactly. Kind of like our political leaders and our, our actual voting public. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's interesting because a lot of what you're talking about right now is happening in real time. Like we see mm -hmm. these entrepreneurs, startup CEOs that have these explosive companies like Travis at Uber, right? Exactly. Who had a meltdown and got fired and said the wrong things. And then, um, you know, we've got, you know, Elon Musk, you know, who is this like, you know, sort of iconic entrepreneur CEO, but then again, like said stupid things on, was it Twitter? Yeah. And, you know, blew up his chances of staying exactly. as chairman of his own business. So, it's easy to be human and to screw up even when you're a quote unquote great leader. Um, you know, the one, the one example I'm thinking of that of somebody who really was a entrepreneur startup that led a great company and then, um, 
never really screwed up and the company continued to succeed and is now the most valued company in the world is Steve Jobs. Yeah. But then, of course, we have to say, but he died, you know, so it's like he's still not the greatest example of how like that entrepreneur CEO can like stay with the company and actually be the continued leader all the way through. It's like yeah. period. It's pyramid success, right? It's pyramid success. Yeah. And and I don't know. And I think that it it feels okay. I mean, and you know, being an entrepreneur, it's like psychologically damaging. How do I know? You know, <laughs> it's like, I, I'm like, I, it's psychologically damaging in the most positive way. Um, and that's why I, I literally had to check myself. Like when starting my new company, like, am I, am I going to be able to like see this through or do I have such a vision and maybe it's my job to do this. And I think that with my next company, that's where I leaned in on what I'm really good at. I'm a brand generator. And that does not mean that I need to create a brand and stay at it through the end. That means that I'm good at putting all the pieces together, figuring out how do we raise capital to do that? Are we pairing it with a talent and influencer? What does the model look like? And then setting up the infrastructure so that those brands can grow. Yeah. And I want to do that time and time and time again. And I remember like in my very first review. Employment review? Yeah, in my yeah. employment review. Mm -hmm. And they were like, you know, we noticed that you love coming into things, but don't you want to like start from the beginning and see it all the way through to the end? What does and that mean I, though? What does that mean? And in the agency life, it's like you get a client, you stick with that client, whether it's like a project or it's this and you know everything that's going on. And it took me years. Like, and so I kept trying to be like, yes, I want to work on this account and like do it. And then finally, like later in my career, I was like, you know what? No. And that's okay. Like you want to get in, you want to build it. You want to have the strategy. You want to have the idea. You want to put the pieces together. And I am totally fine for other people to come in and run it and to make it be what it needs to be. And like, do I want to come in and see it at the end? Yeah. And I think that that's why I was okay when people were like, DBA, how could you do it? It's such a great idea. They're blowing up now. And I'm like, and I did what I needed to do. And I feel really good about that. But my lot in life was not to stay until the end. My lot was to like have the great idea and to do it. Now, you mentioned Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. I want to have that kind of money doing it. So that's well, my, yeah, my that's, next thing. And that's, <laughs> that's the point I was going to make. I mean, it's, it's an interesting contrast in the two examples you made between the employment, whatever, your boss or the employment director at Fleischmann sort of saying like, we need you to complete the project. Like, don't be yourself and, and, and chase down your interesting dreams. Like just finish what we hired you to do versus the chief of staff at Ralph Lauren, who was like, you know what? You got these great ideas. You're well networked. Like, why don't you go explore them? Like that's leadership to me. Yeah. Um, you know, anyway, that's, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so are you like me as an entrepreneur that you have night sweats when you're undercapitalized? I think that's what oh you're talking about. Right that's why I think it's psychologically damaging. But in my new company, that's what I said. I was like, okay, my team, I have people that have been with me now for three companies, four companies. And I'm like, when we do this, we have to have payroll and benefits and like all these things because it is so important. And I think, you know, when I started my first company, I was married, but I like my husband and I started dating in 1998. So we are cool. Um, but I didn't have a child and we didn't own a home. Right. And so then to start a company. Less risk. Yeah. Yeah. With the child, with the home, like, you know, and my husband is so supportive. And when I told him I wanted to start my next company, he's like, I will always support you. You can do whatever you want to do. He said, but we are not using our own money. He was like, we're not changing our lifestyle. Yeah. Don't we're put not. our, don't put your lifestyle yeah. at risk. Yeah. And he's like, so whatever you want to do, but like, this is what the deal is. And I totally appreciate that. Like, yeah. you know, we yeah. have, we have a child, we have this, we have responsibilities. Yeah. And, but I also realize how blessed and grateful I'm very grateful for the fact that I have the ability to have someone in my life who's like, I will support you and let's figure out how to go and get the capital or that I've built these amazing relationships. That's why it's all about the brain trust. Like for me, 
in, in both of my companies, we grew by our friends, by our relationships, by our colleagues, by our peers, you know, and it's all, I can think of every brand I've ever worked with and I can pinpoint how I met that person or how I got involved with that person. And so that's really the mark of like the importance of business and kind of like this moment between us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we can come back and I can be like, look yeah. at what we built We actually together. have a live recording of the time we met. <laughs> that's going to be my new thing. <laughs> live recording. You know what I've actually been doing? I've been doing this things to keep track of list because, you know, we meet so many interesting people. We do so many things in one week. And I, at the end of the week was going back and looking at my calendar. And so now I do things. Just like to keep Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. <laughs> I can pull up my planner and show you. Um, but it's literally like things to keep track of. And it's like, I met this person and they said this, like I was telling somebody about what is I was experiencing, um, in my previous iteration of my company. And she was like, maybe that's not your ladder to climb. And I was like, wow. And she didn't even know anything that I was thinking of or the context. So I went into my things to keep track of and I wrote, maybe it's not your ladder to climb. Oh, that's cool. And it's, it just helps because I really believe that things are put in place because they're meant to be and we're always where we are supposed to be and that we have to be open to it. It's like preparedness plus opportunity equals success. And so I think that we have all these things happening, but we get so caught up in it that we don't put the pieces together. And it's like, you met this person because of this, you had this conversation. And if we can be open to it and then work around it, then we get all of our blessings and we get all of the success we're supposed to have. So I'm a big like... So my things to keep track of is key. That's awesome. I'm going to start doing that. Um, I'm typing on my phone right now while I'm drinking my champagne. While you're drinking champagne. And by the way, if I fall over, this is my fourth podcast today. It's just because I'm drunk and just keep talking and ignore me. Like in your fight. And it's Friday. So yeah, it's, it's Friday afternoon. Yeah. It's almost five o'clock. So we're good. Coming up, you'll hear Kendra talk about what she's already given birth to and what she hopes to give birth to. Let's talk for a second about children. Yes. So this is a question I know that you said you've you've gotten before, um, and it's completely relevant, especially given everything that's going on in the gender world these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so how how have children both improved your life? I'm sure they have. And then how have they also affected your career and your ability to sort of expand on all these amazing ideas and companies that you've been putting together? It's a really good question. And it's funny because people are like, what does balance look like? And I'm like, there's really no balance in life. We make choices. And for me, one of the reasons that I was really certain about leaving DBA was actually after I had my child and wanting to have a different life, wanting to do something different. And I wouldn't have had that realization had I not had her because it changed my whole mentality, the way I did business, the people that I interacted with and the people that I wanted in my circle, that I wanted like putting their energy on my child. And after I had her, one of the things that someone said to me was like, why, why are you schlepping your child to New York? Because throughout my entire pregnancy, I literally traveled every month until the end. Well, and what then, does that mean? Until the eighth month? The until, yeah. Until my yeah. doctor was like, you cannot travel. Which anymore. is what, this by the way, it. because um, it we're, was we're, my final, we're hoping to have kids. Oh, it's your this. final trimester, like that last three months. Okay. And, um, and you just like, can't travel. Although I was in Cabo in the hurricane and that was a whole thing. And so anyways, I digress. So after I had her, um, it just gave me such a different realization, but I also, I love to travel. We love to travel as a family. Um, we own in Cayman islands and, you know, living in New York, you always, we would go to the Caribbean so much. So she literally got her shots on Monday, Friday, we were on a plane and the first year of her life, she flew every single month. Oh my! God. And I also breastfed fed for an entire year because my doctor was like, should she, you know, it's a lot of traveling. She never got sick. And she was with me. Probably built up her immunity. She built up her immunity. And it was important to me to breastfeed. I remember being in New York and 
we had this driver and he would pick me up and take me to every meeting so that I could pump in the car and something happened and there was traffic. And so he couldn't get to me. And I was like, I got to pump. I got to be at a meeting. I literally pumped walking down the street of New York, showed up at my meeting with like this breast milk. I was like, can I put this in your refrigerator? And everyone's like, what's going Wait, on? Like, did you cover it with a jacket? Or I had, something? A, I had okay. my cape. And I literally like walked down the street, put it in the refrigerator, did my meeting. And like, you know, my child has always been part of my life. My life didn't change. She's been integrated. And she did. She traveled every month. And, you know, now she's in preschool and she's with me here. We're we're gonna be gone for ten days. And She's here and her teacher gives her a homework packet. And, you know, my child does have conference calls all the time. When she plays with her Barbies, they stay at hotels. She fights with Uber. That's hysterical. Um, And, you know, but my mom, I remember traveling with my mom for work and I remember seeing it. And I think, you know, people are like, how do you balance it? And we make choices every day. You know, I knew that on Wednesday I had an event. I knew I was going to be gone back to L.A. and then come back. But then I also know that tomorrow. Tomorrow, Saturday, we're going to the Dominican Republic, like, and I'm going to spend a few days with her. So I think that we get so caught up in the balance of the everyday, but it's the balance in totality. And I think that it's the time that we spend what we're exposing our kids to. And I love it. And it works for me. That doesn't work for everyone. But I think as a mom, we get, you know, we are in our heads, like, I have to do this. I can't go to work. I have to do that. And like, it doesn't have to be that way. And it's about the choices that we make, the lifestyle that we want to have. And then I think finding those moments. Now, I've also am very big on incorporating working out and the mornings are really important for me. I get up at 530 and I converted a small piece of my um, garage to be a gym. And I'm I'm blessed because my trainer can come to my house. But it was important. I was like, I got to work out. I don't have time to get there. My child's going to get up at 730. I know it's going to be crazy. And so when she wakes up, she comes and works out with us. And those are the things that I try and incorporate so that I can do it because I want her to see me creating companies. I was literally on the computer. She's like, mommy, I said, I need a few hours. I know it's Saturday, but we're starting a new company today. And I was like, here's the new company logo. (laughs) She's like starting a new company. I'm like, yes, that's what we're doing. So that's what we do. What's her name? Yeah. Tierra. Tierra. That's what we do. We start new companies. (laughs) She has her little computer. She's like, I'm starting a company too. (laughs) What did she tell me? She said, that she would rather do karate. She's like, I think I'm going to do karate instead of school. And I was like, nope, nope. Those don't, those don't, they don't balance each other out. No, no, <laughs> unless you're a Zen master. Yeah. Um, so m- we just got married, my wife and I, a couple of months ago. Thank you. And uh, we want to have kids. But um, my wife is struggling. She's a very successful woman and uh, professional and she's struggling with the idea that she has to essentially like shut down, you know, part of uh, many parts of her life, her, her love of, of like, you know, working hard, her love of caffeine, her love of marijuana, her love of alcohol. Like she's got to shut all that down and like literally give her body over to this pregnancy. And then at the same time, when she has the child, she feels like she has to be the appropriate mother that her mother was to her. And so that's going to obviously create moments where she's got to sacrifice in her professional life. So there's a long way of asking the question, like, what advice would you give her if she both wants to have children and wants to continue being a successful uh, professional? You know, it's a really good question. And I think that the times like I love my mom. I talk to my mom every single day. I think that no one leaves childhood unscarred. I feel really strongly about that. And I think that it's all about how do you grow up and how do you envision yourself and like, what do you want out of your life? And just because things happened a certain way doesn't mean that it's the way that you have to parent or the way that you want to be. I think that our parents teach us like, here's the good and the bad of what we want out of our lives. And the good thing is that we can make those changes. Like each generation is supposed to get better. I want to create generational wealth so that like Tierra can do it the way that she wants to. And she may not want her kids traveling with her, but it's like, I think those are the choices. And for me, like, especially in New York, I mean, we partied, we had a great, great time. And I actually loved being pregnant. And I felt that the pregnancy was the actually the first opportunity I had to take a step back and get back to my body. I was actually the healthiest I had been because I was like, 
I, you know, invested in drinking healthy all the time. Right. I did prenatal yoga. I had a yoga instructor come to my house. I like was on the best. I mean, I was so healthy and it actually felt good to take a break from everything and to just be committed to something else. And then when Tiara was born, it was literally like I, I wanted to breastfeed because that's my personality. When I say I'm going to do it and like I have friends that didn't and it was like, that's your thing. I don't have time to judge or worry about what you're doing. But I, that's what I wanted to do. And because I dive into things so passionately, like it was a year and something later. And I'm like, okay, I think I've, I'm good. But I felt good. And like I work just as hard, but I also keep track in my mind. Okay, you've been going really hard at work. You need to now go really hard on this. And I actually enjoy it. I think having a child like has enhanced my life so much because it gives me something else to think about. And then whenever I want to have those moments, you know, I can, but I just, I feel like now, and we're privileged to be able meaning to, you and I? yes, meaning you are, def- <laughs> I mean, hello, <laughs> um, we're, we're privileged in the sense that like, we can figure out what the balance is. Like I've, I've had a nanny and I actually just let my nanny go and hired a family assistant because I was like, the reality is that like, someone's got to call the gardener. We have a turtle that we got in New York in 2002 for $5 that's still alive. I was like, we need someone to call the turtle. The turtle cleaner. needs its own baby. The so turtle right. needs its yeah. own. Like... So it really wasn't $5. <laughs> it's like, exactly. <laughs> you calculate that over the years. I was like, we need somebody to help with this and somebody to help with that and to drop Tierra off. And my friends were like, no, you need a full-time nanny. And I was like, actually, I can travel. I can do all these things, but like, this is what I need. And my husband's the head of building ops at Madison Square Garden at the Forum in LA. So he's got concerts all the time. And we've spent a lot of time like talking about the life that we want and how we're going to do it together. But I just, I think that we can't wait. Like people even say to me, like, have another kid. And I'm like, I will whenever I'm ready and whenever I think that it's time. But I just think that it's one of the most precious things. And I do think that as much as we sacrifice, there's so much that we get back. And that if you work hard before, you're not going to work hard or any less because you have a child. You're going to figure out how to work just as hard in like both the areas of it. Well, it sounds like you've navigated that really no, well. No, no, I don't know. I like every day. I'm well, trying. I know it's I know it's work, but like you really have a plan around it, and you yeah. have motivation behind it, and that's really what it takes. It sounds like yeah. I think Caitlin, my wife, could get a lot of good information out of what you just said. Um, so, a follow up to that, and then we'll transition to uh, yeah. another subject before we close. Um, how how has having had a kid? Um, changed your outlook on the world, especially as it relates to your like professional pursuits? It's really interesting because I do think about generational wealth. And I think being an African-American woman, like we talk about the fact that in our community, like you buy a house and it's like, oh my gosh, we've, we've bought a house or you buy like a small vacation home. When you look at what's happening with like white male privilege and they're like, oh, a house, we own five houses and a jet and a yacht. And we have all of these things. Wait, everybody doesn't have five houses. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's been really interesting and what's happening politically because it's brought to life so many conversations and so many things that we don't talk about. And I was never... I was never really of the mindset of like what I don't have because I was always like, yes, I'm getting this, I'm getting that. And when I think now about having a child, it's like, no, I want to be in a place to create generational wealth because I finally get what my mom is saying. Each generation is supposed to get better. And I want Tierra to see me working. Like I want her to see it in quick story. We were at her swim class because on Fridays, I really try not to travel so I can take her to swim class unless she's with me. And this particular swim class, we had so much going on and I had to like speak in an event and everything was happening. And that morning I had all these conference calls with Europe. So we get to swim class and I'm not dressed. I'm not showered. I haven't brushed my teeth. I'm in a house dress and she takes two classes. So I'm like, T-girl, I'm going to shower. She's like, what? I give her to the swim teacher, run into the locker room and I'm on a conference call. So I'm <laughs> on a conference call trying to brush my teeth. I get off, I'm showering and these two older women are just staring at me the whole time. And I'm literally like, I'm so sorry. I know you're not supposed to be on your phone. And they, they weren't giving me any, they were just kind of like staring. So I get off and she was like, I, she's like, you remind me of my daughter. She's like, it makes me so happy to see you 
working and doing calls and being here with your daughter. And I was like, I feel so bad. Like I've missed the class. And then in walks my daughter's swim teacher and is like, class is over. We've been waiting for you. And so then I'm really like, I missed the whole class. I still have to take a shower. And she said, you know, I was talking to a mom who didn't work. And when her kid grew up, she felt like her child didn't have as much respect for her as she had for the dad. And she was like, she has so much respect for you because she sees you doing it. And in that moment, I was like, yeah, I want her to like, know you can do it. And it was okay. And like, I took a shower and she took a shower. I got her to school. I got myself to my speaking engagement and I got to my speaking engagement. And it was like, nobody would have even just known that like an hour and a half ago, I was unshowered in a locker room with a three and a half in swim class. And that even that morning I had ran like three miles and it's so like, you just feel so accomplished and it feels so good. And I just don't think I would have like that sense of accomplishment if if all I had was like starting a company. And so I want her to see that and to be like, what else do I have? And I have an endowment at Purdue for like a young black student in the school of communications who can't go to college because I'm so big about mentoring, but I'm like, I first have to get people there. So I want her to see us like getting people into school and what does it look like afterwards and how do I build and what does that look like for me? But also knowing that like, sometimes you may not shower and like, (laughs) but you can still show up and be great. Exactly. I mean, I haven't showered in a week. But your um, hair looks great. Thanks. Yeah, we, it's, we it's permanently fixed in this position. <laughs> the moment I shower, it's yes. it's all screwed up. So that's why I don't shower. Well, you know, what you said was really interesting. And before we sign off, I definitely want to hit on one more question. But, um, you know, it's, you know, I was thinking while you were saying all that of, of the male like role in that, you know, especially in regards to my own wife. And I keep telling her when she's like, oh, if I have a baby and then, you know, raise a child, like I'm giving up on my professional life. And I'm saying, well, really, at that point, you have two full time jobs. You know, you're a you're a mother raising our family. And of course, I want to be as involved as she'll allow me to be in that whole process. Um, and then you're also pursuing all of your professional. So it's like you're you're, and that's probably why those older women were, were like looking at you with admiration because yeah. that's the hustler, right? That's yeah. the modern day working woman. And, um, and I just hope as a man that males recognize like that they can be a bigger part of helping successful women like yourself and my wife be, uh, less stressed and more, you know, what happens with men Men, especially when, and again, I have, a, this is like my worldview, but because my husband is always like, you've always got it. Like, he's like, I know if you start another company, everything's going to be fine because you always win. Like you always succeed. And he's like, and you don't get scared. And and I'm always like, dude, I, if I, I can't be you're scared, scared every day. I'm like scared yeah, every day. And, me too. and I'm like, I literally turn my fear into faith. I'm always like, I turn my fear into faith. But the thing about it is that. Because you see us being so successful and like driving so hard that you're like, oh, you've got it. And I had to really like have the conversation with him. Like even when we switched from a nanny to a family assistant, I'm like, okay, in order to make the mornings like work, like I have to meditate every morning. Like I only meditate for three to four minutes. I'm not like, but I have to do it and I need to like see fresh air, right? And so that means that if you've had a concert the night before and you're not getting up till later and we both have to leave, that we need to look at our schedules as best as Did you say if he has a concert the next morning? Or he has a concert that night. Sorry. Wait, what does your husband do? <laughs> he's the head of building operations at MSG for the forum. Oh, wow. So he's like got crazy So he has crazy concerts. hours yeah. and all that. Because okay, he it. has like facilities, engineering, hospitality. So like at the beginning of the show and at the end. <laughs> for a second there, I thought you were going to be like, well, yeah, my husband is Pharrell. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, then I really wouldn't be worried I was like, him. damn, I did not do my homework. <laughs> um, and so – And so we've had to like really take the time to look at our schedules. And I had to say to him, like, actually, I do need your help in the morning because I'm trying to do all these different things because he's like, you've got this. You're so good at it all. Like and so in his mind, he's like, oh, you've got it like you do everything else. And I had to be like, yes, I can. But I really need this, 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 and I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And we had to figure it out because I do like to control a lot of things and he's got his thing. And and I also know that because I get up so early that if he doesn't have a concert, by the time 
it's bedtime and bath time, I'm like kind of done. And he can kick in. And he can kick yeah. in. And it's That's his waking hours. And that's his yeah. that's his hours. And yeah. so he does bath and he washes hair and he does all these things. And at first I'd go in and be like, do it this way. And now I'm like, shut that door. I literally shut the door from the living room to the bedrooms. Um, but it's because I realized it wasn't that he wasn't trying to help or he didn't want to. It was really like he sees me being like a boss and yeah. that's why we're attracted to each other and it was he's letting you be you he's letting me be me and i love him for that but with the child i'm like no 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 you need to make a decision about what she's going to eat you need to pack the bag you need to go to the school this and like and we talk about it and i think that that's been the biggest thing because it's not always easy but at least he's accountable and it can't just be, I knew how great you were. It has to be, yes, I'm great, but I need your help with this. And then he has to tell me what he likes. He loves bath time. It's like, I'm like, what are we doing here? I do too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we only have a few minutes left. Right. So I want to quickly touch on one other thing. This is the point in the episode where all of our listeners have fallen off and we're literally by ourselves, Okay. So we can say anything. <laughs> um, and I would like to know quickly what you're doing right now, because yes. we didn't really talk about that. Yes. And I just say whatever you want about that. And then I'd also like to know if you have any other interesting things coming down the line. Right. So right now I am literally um, embarking on something really exciting and really big. And I think I have um, had the fortunate opportunity of being part of an amazing global company that has really been like the bridge, the amazing transition to help me get to the next company that I'm launching. And I actually feel like with my next company, I'm going to be able to support my previous company in an even bigger capacity. But I think that it goes back to what we talked about. Like, what am I good at? What am I passionate about? And having been in the influencer space literally since the beginning and seeing where it's going and the trajectory and knowing that the thing that I'm interested about, interested in and passionate about is like creating brands and creating brands through different forms of communication, distribution strategies. But at the heart of that is really influencers. I know the space. I've been in the space and influencers, everything from celebrities to talent, to bloggers, to public figures. I really do believe that they are driving um, commerce. I think that they're driving cultural trends. I think that they have the opportunity to help move society forward in a really um, interesting way, especially from a financial perspective in terms of fueling and boosting our economy. So I'm excited to share. My next company is called Talent Venture Fund, and we are essentially a fund to help um, give talent the opportunity to grow, to to create um, and to amplify brands. And we will be partnering with brands to say, you know, what's the right talent for you? We'll be working with talent to help them figure out what's the, the best brand strategy, where should they be investing in brands. And we really are a fan, a fund that's saying like, let's bring new brands to life in really interesting ways. Um, so I'm excited about it. And I think for me, after all these years, what I do know is that I'm a brand generator mm -hmm. and that I can bring people things, companies, ideas, technologies together in really smart and innovative ways. So I'm looking at Talent Venture Fund as really the next generation um, opportunity for talent to really come to the market with really big ideas, see those ideas to life and give them the financial means that, that they need to really make brands be successful. I think anyone can have an idea and anyone can create a brand. But what we have is the data, the insights, the technology, the gut, the intuition to really figure out how to make talent and brands um, come together in a smart way. So you're interested in creating new brands, not taking existing brands and putting them with creative talent that could highlight or be like permanent ambassadors of those. No, we'll do brands. that too. Do I think too. we look at it kind of in, in three buckets. So how are we looking at talent? What are they passionate about? You know, we have our influencer data mapping tool so we can see where they over index in different categories from cannabis to health and wellness, to beauty, to baking, um, culinary. And then we look at the marketplace and see, are there brands that exist? Like, is there an opportunity with all of our research and data? We're working with a basketball player on a men's grooming brand. Like, 
Like, can you carry that brand? Is there an opportunity? Where can we distribute it? What will the market bear in that category? And how much market share can we take? And if we feel like that that needs to be a new brand and that we have the licensing, the manufacturing, the distribution to do it, then we will invest the money to do it. If we look at everything- Do you have a resource for that aspect We do. Of it? We okay, have a resource good. for that aspect. It's not indie source, is it? No. <laughs> okay. Do you know who Andy Source is? Yeah, I do. And then if if we look at the marketplace and we're like, you know what? There's 12 amazing men's grooming brands. And here's what we like about them. And here's the ingredients. And we think that you match up perfectly based upon our data and insights and audience with this particular brand. Then let's do a deal with them. Invest in money. Let's amplify them. Um, let's lend your name. Let's, let's really get involved. But we're looking at the ownership. We're looking at the equity. We're looking at helping increase the valuation of brands to make them more commercially successful and to help boost their revenue based upon the partnership ownership with the talent. That sounds like it's exactly where the market is going and what it needs. Um, it also sounds like something that solar can help you with. Yes, um, I think so. That's on, our next podcast. Yes. How we came together. <laughs> How does solar help <laughs> Kendra create her next company? Um, is there anything um, that you need in order to set that dream up? Um, I appreciate that. And I think the biggest thing to actualize and realize this stream is is the funding. I mean, in all candidness, you know, we want to build a fund. We want to start at 50 million. We want to grow that to 450 million. And it's really about the investors that see the opportunity, that are following the trends and that know that we have 10 times greater conversion when a talent attaches their name to a product. We want innovative people that want to build things, but we're also looking for great partners who can have distribution platforms. Right. Like everything doesn't exist in one e-commerce channel. The right. way that you grow brands is you have to have multiple points of entry. You have to have multiple points of connectivity. Right. So we're looking for distribution partners. We also, you know, we're back backed by data. We're backed by science. So just because a talent likes something or likes this brand or likes this car doesn't mean that that talent should actually create that brand, invest in that brand, or be the face of that brand. So we are spending a lot of time you know, in the middle, making sure that it works on both sides. And so we're looking for the finances to have the best technology. Like we want to have the best manufacturers. We want to have the best, you know, the best ingredients or the best materials. But at this point, whenever you're trying to raise a fund this big, you know, what we do know is that there is a market for it. We know that there are people that see the vision and want to get involved. And we know that um, the economy is going to be driven by all of these new brands that exist. So it's really micro about, brands, yeah, yeah. That's what it. That's what it's really about. And, and that's really that, what Solar's about too. That's it's, what it's micro about. luxury brands. We're trying to promote direct to consumer digital brands that want to really exist only in the e-commerce space, exactly, and make a longer margin than they would in the traditional wholesale channel. Yes, yeah, that's it. So. Solar Brands and Talent Venture Fund are announcing that they have a great new partnership. <laughs> Let's cheers to that. Brands. <laughs> Let's cheers to that cheers. with our whiskeys, our Japanese whiskeys. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Kendra, thank you so much for your time. Before we sign off, is there anything else that you wanted to mention or talk about that maybe we would have missed? No, I mean, I just thank you for giving... Uh, thank you for giving me and other people the opportunity and the platform to have real conversations about the industry and about what we need, what we believe. I think, you know, it's my brain trust. We're all here to help and support each other. So thanks for bringing me along and giving me a platform. And I, I truly know that we'll be doing business together. Awesome. I hope so. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> That's it for Solar Stories. Thank you so much for listening. Please come back next time for another great guest and another great story on the art and business of influence. I'm George Manley. This is where the story starts. We can't wait to hear yours. Solar Stories is presented by Solar Inc. You can find more about solar at solar.com. Copyright 2018, Solar Inc., all rights reserved. Thank you for listening.